and welcome to another episode of the Copcast Podcast. Uh, we are coming to you after Liverpool 4, the worst Manchester United team in our lifetime, nil. And we'll take a look back at the semi-final win as well, FA Cup final, and anticipated Merseyside Derby in quite some time coming up, the week, coming up at the weekend. So I've got Jay Reid in Liverpool, I've got Andy Bell in Liverpool, I've got Neil Patterson in Donegal. So, Chief United, um, like they're everything we're they're everything we're not, and we're everything they're not. Um, we are a well-oiled machine with a culture and a process and a system and a structure and um, an identity and a philosophy and a purpose and. Inside are none of those things. They're absolutely rudderless um, from top to bottom, and it has, you know, even even the game um, at at Old Trafford where it finishes five. I actually think this is even more comprehensive um, because it's it's almost at times like I'd say the last fifteen minutes of the first half. It's fucking exhibition stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's. Um... It's a dismantling, really. We just sort of, uh, well, we start really well and we invite them on a little bit and the first time they really take the bait, we hit them over the top and, and we're 1-0 up. It's a fabulous team goal from front to back in, what, three seconds? Something like that. Um, and after that, you know, the writing's on the wall for them. Um and they, you know, they, they they never show any kind of belief that uh, that they have a chance of winning the game. And to be fair, after the pace and they took at Old Trafford, you can't really blame them for for feeling that way. I mean, obviously, a lot of the Man United pundits are, you know, tearing their hair out and losing their shit, and you know, quite rightly, a, a smashing by your by your um, biggest rivals, most most hated rivals. Um, does that to you? Sort of brings brings the the chickens home to roost in that way. Um, but they're way off Liverpool, and Liverpool were excellent from uh, one to fourteen last night. Um, everybody played their part. Everybody had a minimum eight out of ten game, and you know it, it's dreamland really for us as fans. Um, We've been putting the results together. We've 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 gone on an amazing run. We've clawed City back, and we've had to grind out a lot of games. Um, but in the last two, you know, if you take the FA Cup semi into it, in the last two we've really seen the side click into into more of its sort of dominant best, um, and it, it only bodes well for the for the for the final sort of charge to to the end of the season here. Um, but yeah, Liverpool were faultless, and it's hard to you know it's 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 hard to 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 really pick anything that that you'd be unhappy about. Um, the timing of the goals was perfect. United had maybe a, a two minute, two to five minute spell where it looked like they they might be sort of beginning to to get a foothold in the game, and then again, bang, we're three we're three nil up. And after that, you know, it's it's a procession and it could have been more. And, you know, as I've alluded to, we took a foot off the gas for, for a period, um, for periods in the game and still ran out 4-0 winners. And, you know, United are awful, but Liverpool are are quite special. Yeah, Jay, this side is special. And it looks as though, you know, the last couple of games, we just hit peak Liverpool that was we displayed every one of our best characteristics in, in the game against Manchester United patience, control we were explosive on the break we were brilliant in the press and you know I think the only uh, shot they have is, is it Sancho's weak effort um, straight at Allison. I think that's the only shot on target, and it's from pretty much sure it's outside the box. And like it, it's 
this is a side, and you, this is a side to me that just absolutely means business. They went out there, knowing how shite this team is, knowing that they absolutely battered them the last time they played them, knowing that Everton beat them. <laughs> they still, they still went out and were approached the game like it was a Champions League final. You can only beat what's in front of you, as the saying goes. And you know, I think going into the game, I'd, I'd you have offered the United fan a two 0 lost. He probably would have took it, given the evidence of what's come before across the season, across when we played them at Old Trafford. Um, but I think even in the last few weeks, we've done done enough in most games. Like some games, we haven't even got out of second, third gear. But when we've had to, we might have stepped it up for 10 or 30, 15 minutes, put the game to bed. But what I think we've got at the moment is this like this ruthless streak where, you know, we'll start fast as we as we see in the weekend, as we seen last night, and got ourselves a couple of goals to the good. And then it might look as though like, you know, we get to half time or we have a little spell of 10 or 15 minutes where the opposition might look like they're going to, you know, not get back in the game, but they threaten to, you know, hold onto the ball for more than four passes um, and, you know, build this false sense of hope. And then we just go down the other end and score again. Um, obviously, we did that last night. We didn't do it at the weekend, but it just shows, like, what we've got at the moment is this ruthless nature where no matter who plays at the top end of the pitch, there's goals. Like, you feel sorry for the likes of Jota, who has been phenomenal all season and now seems to find himself as, what, fourth in the pecking order. Bobby's been playing brilliant the last few weeks he's played. He's picked up a minor injury, but he is pretty much fifth in the pecking order, as it is at the moment. But two, three weeks down the line, he might find himself that, like, you know, Diaz was there or he was, there was question marks for some bizarre reason over whether Mo Salah would ever be back to his great best. I think all it's done was just he was running to the ground and whether we'll get onto it or not but I think the best thing that could have happened this season was Sadio Mane winning the AFCON because for some reason that's turned him into this absolute monster since the end of January when he's come back he's transformed into this number nine role and it's like a new lease of life like a new player and I think I was one of those people who probably had him up to be sold in the summer if he was wanting him to go due to contract issues but the way he's going right now, he's certainly put himself back in there to say, hang on, if you're selling anyone, it's not me, because why would you? He, he, he's he's pivotal to everything that goes on, and you, you scratch your head at thinking who's going to be left out, because none of them do, but you know that's because they can all do the job at the other end of the pitch, and it's, it's a joy to see, because we're blessed, we've, we've not had this, not in my lifetime anyway, we've not had this many good players, we've had two or three at any one time, but like, we've literally got, what, 15, <laughs> essentially, or more, I don't know, you lose count, because no matter who you put on the pitch, you know, and you're confident that the result is going to go our way at the end of the day. Yeah, um, the squad, indeed, is as good as it's ever been, Andy, and, you know, Jay, Jay touches on a really pertinent point there, is this, this, Sadio Mane, who has just turned himself into like a smaller version of DDA Drogba. Um, and we've seen him flirt with this number nine position before um, with Mane, when maybe he has to kind of footer about because maybe Firmino's injured. Um, he doesn't have anybody else to throw up there. And obviously, John has come in now. Um, Diaz has come in now, which kind of gives him a bit more license to put Mane through the middle. But He's been absolutely lethal in front of goal. His goal scoring rate in the last five or six games is phenomenal. But what I think is most impressive is his little dropping in the pockets and his link-up play, which he looks as though he's starting to get the grips with and understand the role a bit more, playing that position, you know, in a consistent run of games, whereas he was kind of parachuted in there before to play that position. And the first goal kind of... Um, depicts that role that he picks up, drops in, Maguire doesn't know whether to come or go, and he just does the really sensible thing and just pops it off, um, gets it back, turns, like it's his pass that opens up the entire pitch, and he was doing that all night, 
but then what you get with him, which maybe you don't get with with Firmino, is is that absolutely sumptuous left-footed finish. You know, unerring, um, completely confident in his own ability. And he at the minute he's almost giving you what Bobby Ross and what Jota does in the one player. Yeah, completely. First of all, um, for any of our non-Northern Irish listeners, foot, when Dave says footer about, that just means like messing around. Just yeah. uh, pretty sure that idiom isn't going to translate yeah, any yeah. Other than, than Belfast. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, he's been phenomenal, hasn't he? I, I mean, where has that Sadio Mane been for the last well, best part of two years, really? Since he, he last hit any sort of form like this for us, he has been absolutely world-class in the last month. I thought his... Performance against City at the weekend there in the FA Cup semi-final was honestly one of the best individual performances I've seen from a Liverpool player. Um, it reminded me of, do you remember when we went to Rome and we were like 5-2 up in the semi-final? Um, and he goes there and he just puts in the most sort of consummate European away performance and he was amazing that night. It reminded me of that performance. Um it was just everything is coming off for him now. And you know you talk about the change in position there, but... His touch is better. His finishing's better. Everything's better. You know, you can, <laughs> I feel like the change in position explains maybe tactically how he's getting in a few more positions. But he's he's like a man reborn. He's been he's been absolutely phenomenal last um, couple of weeks or so. And I, I always thought that the the Mane decline sort of thing was exaggerated. Like I say, he hasn't been that player for a couple of years. But people were acting as if you know he was almost causing us harm rather than. Um, still being a very good winger and you know last season I, st- I still think he hits over 10 goals in the league and because Salah and Manny over the years have changed the idea of what what's acceptable for a winger I remember when Salah signed for us I remember thinking well if you can add 10 goals from the wing then we're laughing you know what I mean that used to be how you judge I a winger. remember thinking I remember thinking oh now we can kind of rotate between Mane and Salah. That's what I thought when he signed him. <laughs> yeah, it was funny chat about Salah not Salah not starting as well. Um, and yeah, but yeah, it used to be if, you, if your winger scored you ten goals a season, that was bloody incredible. But these two have just gone to a new stratosphere and have kind of set the standard for themselves. And obviously, Mane hasn't quite been able to reach that standard. But yeah, I think with Mane, he's so, he's so sort of tenacious in that way, and I think that's probably why. Maybe being in the ground for me this season, the first time I've really been in the ground regularly, I appreciate him a little bit more because some of his hold-up play and kind of bringing others into play, um, he does that so well. You know, an awkward ball can come up to him and he can, he can, he's so strong, he holds the defenders off and can kind of play it into midfield. But I suppose when he's on the left-hand side, you do all that brilliant stuff, not meg two players, and you're still on the left, you're still 40 yards from goal. Whereas if you do it in the middle, you've men around you, you've... Uh, You've got runners, you've got passes. You don't need to do quite as much um, to be quite as good. And because he's probably lost that, not he's still got that explosive pace, but he's lost that maybe searing pace in behind, um, which you don't really need to use anyway because teams sit so deep against us. But I feel like out, on the, out, out wide that affects you a little bit more than maybe in the middle. So, yeah, I think, I think Klopp sort of stumbled across it. He, he played there... Do you remember when we beat Watford 5-0? I'm sorry, I'm going like into the archives here, aren't I? Uh, we beat Watford 5-0 and he scored that mad back heave. He played down the middle that night and he was really yeah, good and we never it, sort of saw it again. Randomly. Yeah. He has done it randomly, but it's never been more than one or two games in a row where it's kind of break glass option. I've, I've, has... I've never, I've never, um, I've never seen him play a game down the middle and thought, oh goodness me, we can never do that again. It's a disaster. You know, I don't think he's no, ever had a bad game there. But. No, but nor have you looked at him the way you have the last few weeks and thought, oh my God, he is a genuine viable option. Now you're looking at him going, he did all right, but like I'm looking forward to Firmino coming back. Yeah, completely, completely. So I, th- I think it's just it's more options for us. Obviously, it's a, it's a bit of a pisser for Jota, isn't it? Because he was kind of seen as, as kind of Firmino was declining a little bit. He was a new number nine. And, and then, you know, so Jota's, kind of fighting for the left now. Well, Diaz has been incredible. I'm sure we'll come on to talk about him. But yeah, it's it's one of those things. I think I mentioned this um, just to finish off because we've been talking for fucking ages. Um, I, I think I mentioned this when Diaz signed in January. When City are so good and have so much money and they have so much kind of sports washing behind them, 
Liverpool need to create something that they don't have and catalysts like that, the Diaz signing, stumbling across, Mane coming into this world-class form are the type of things you need to go for you at the right moments of the season and, you know, Liverpool are picking at the right time and Sadio Mane's right at the centre of it, I think. Yeah, we, we, we do look as, we look as slick as we have, Keith, and, you know, there's a few things that you can point at if you like. Um, is like the front three. Diaz has come in and then he, he has been. And it's, it, do you know what? It's actually bored me now. The comment looks like he's played for Liverpool for years. Yes, we know. It's what we do. We sign players, particularly the front end of the pitch, that can just come in and just hit the ground running. Jota did it. Salah did it. Mane did it. And now Diaz has done it. This shouldn't be a shock to you people. Um, but there's different than the rest of them, isn't he? There's like a, like a wariness about him and a, a, like he's got those kind of bendy legs um, and the two games, and this is what surprised me, I thought he would drop out against United, I expected to see Jota and Firmino, but obviously Firmino had hurt his foot, but um, I was surprised that he went the three back-to-back in the two games but he's obviously seen something and it's six goals in, in both games and um, sorry, it's not. It's seven goals. Seven, seven goals uh, in the two games with with those three playing up front. And he not only is he given money that license to move or club license to move money in field, but he is something that I think other teams haven't haven't prepared for, haven't been able to prepare for. Because what was label? What was able to deliver to the side was with that front three there's a certain element that you can prepare for now that's just not the case no I mean what they give you is you know what they give you is nightmares <laughs> to be honest um, if you're opposing defences because all three of them can do everything they're quick they're um, brilliant with the ball, they can come. Uh, they can go beyond. They can come short. They're, you know, always aware of each other's movements. They're, you know, able to move the ball quickly, as as is shown, and particularly in the in the Salah Salah's first goal last night. The ball from Mane. Also, the speed of of uh, you know of of the first goal, the turnover, and I think I said earlier, within three seconds, it's in the back of the net. Um. They're 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 defenders nightmare. Um, and what bringing Diaz in and playing him alongside Salah Mane has has brought is the third pacey attacker. Um, we've always had the pace of well, last four seasons we've had five seasons pace of Mane and Salah, but Bobby, you know, played the game in a different way and was integral to how we were. Um, in those past seasons and still, you know, still is when he comes in and plays. But bringing the and, and Jota again is a, is a different type of forward. He's a, he's a goal machine. Um, he just has that knack, which is, is very rare, even amongst the, even amongst the top players in the world. Um, so, but not blessed, not blessed with great pace. He's got acceleration in his head because he's a couple of steps ahead. He knows where the ball's going to be. He knows where to put himself, and um, he's quick enough in the uh, over uh, to get off the mark to get away from a from a defender. But he's not pace. Neither's Bobby. But Diaz just brings more pace, adds more pace to that attack. And now you've got three of them. As I said, they can interchange. They can play all across the front line and they're always aware of, of everything that's going on. They're always looking to hurt you. So it's, you know, obviously the signing him brought a, a little bit of a feel-good factor and seeing his quality and the fact that he has been able to to just not even adapt so quickly, but just, just to, to play as if... Um, He's telepathically meant to be, or you know, somehow cosmically meant to be at this club. Is you know, it's four goals already scored, uh, two in the league and and two in the other competitions, but four goals since since January. Um, he hasn't started every game. He 
has been unlucky in in other games not to register, and you know he's 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 picked up a few assists as well. So it's just it's just another top top quality striker who's forward who's been added, and now we have five of them, and it's an embarrassment of riches, and and we haven't had a forward line this strong in decades. Ever. Maybe ever. not even ever. Maybe not even ever. Yeah. When you think about it, yeah, you're probably maybe right. maybe the only one that semi rivals it is 2001 when you still you've still got Robbie Fowler and you've got Heskey, you've got Owen, you've got um, a couple you know a couple of others in there. But um, it's true. You could probably go back to what maybe when does Rush come back? When you end up with Rush Aldridge and Beardsley, 89, 88, 89, he comes back. Yeah, you could maybe go back that far, but this is this is Dreamland. You're right. You're yeah. right. Jay, similar at centre half, isn't it? Virtual Gomez slotting it right back, trying to somehow manage to to get some minutes under his belt to qualify for any any medal that we may or may not win come the end of the season. But I just wonder, hey. Can actually get the goal against City. Um, he like bullies Raheem Sterling on numerous occasions, which I find just absolutely hilarious. And then you've got Manop that comes in and does what Manop does. He's great with the ball and like honestly, his his little one-two. I think with Diaz, his ball in the money before he flicks it over the top to Salah for, for Salah's first goal. It's such a difficult pass because it's. It's almost played too quickly into him, and he has to dig it out from under his feet and kind of almost deflect it in the Mane's pass, uh, path. And yeah, Diaz doesn't no favours with that ball. Absolutely not. And somehow he kind of digs it out from underneath his feet and puts it right into Mane's, Mane's right foot, and he just lifts it over the top, and away we go. It's 2 0, and it's game over at that point. But I'm just wondering now, you know. There's a lot of rotation, and I'm wondering, is it going to be, is this just going to be rotation for rotation's sake, for managing minutes and managing game time and down to down to sport times, etc. Or is there maybe, is there maybe a horses for courses scenario here? Is there maybe when we're going to have a lot of the ball and we want to try and break lines that that format up? Maybe when we're playing somebody a bit better, when we know there's pace in behind. That's maybe when Kanate comes in. What do you think? I think it's a a bit of both. I think what it has been is just being genius by Klopp and the management team that they've allowed Kanate to come in and bed in and you know get his feet under the table because you know he's come from a different country. Obviously, he spoke a bit of English and whatever, but it's a completely new lifestyle you've got to get used to and whatever. Um, and with a, a unique club and style of play to to adapt to um, but on the flip side it's also allowed Massive to stay fit all season I don't think he's been injured or if he has it's not been really noted he might have picked up something minor for a week or two but off the top of my head I can't think of a, a serious spell on the sidelines for him um, but I think it, yeah at the same time that there's games you highlight um, and I think going into the weekend I think we had to change something um, and Kanasi was, for me, one of the changes that we had to make. I just felt like, well, I was surprised Pep didn't go with Mahrez, um, which we were saying before we started recording. Um, yeah, it would have been Mahrez three the, games in a week as well. Which There's that, and I think, like, you know, we had to change something. So, like, Adafort City would have changed something, like the pace option and whatever, because he didn't start Mahrez in the league and stuff like that. Um, I mean, like, last night, it was just, you just knew it was... It was a massive game because we were going to have the ball, um, and then even like up until like we didn't know the news till today. But Calvert Lewin's out for Everton, like coming away from the ground last night. We said, "Well, I fully expect Kanate to be back in for the derby because you know the the height and like the physicality. Like it, it's more a Kanate game. Not that massive can't do it. He can, but it's it's ideal for Kanate. And then you bring Matip in for the." Um, Villarreal game because we're at home you'd expect us to press on have possession and you know force the issue with, with his ball playing ability it just it, it 
it's the luxury that we've got, as you say, like the poor man sat on the sidelines, Joe Gomez, who's who's scratching his head thinking, Well, I can't get in ahead of him. Uh, massive can't get in ahead of can I say I've got no chance of getting in ahead of Trent unless, you know, he's being rested. Um and he's probably England's best centre half. Like he's just not able to get in our team. That just shows the strength and depth that we've got. Um but yeah, I think it it's a bit of sports science, it's a bit of horses for courses sort of game and you can you could probably look at what we've got ahead without like you know delving into the fixtures too far and probably say right well you'd highlight a certain game as being a Kanate game or a massive game I think just as just as we have with the forwards we've got that luxury of of rotation but the luxury of different qualities within the players that we've got it's it's a masterpiece what we've built here yeah and you know Arguably the, the final piece of the masterpiece, although he wasn't the last pair that was signed. Uh, like the last two games, he's just been... Uh, I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin. I'm getting aroused, just thinking about some of the stuff that I watched Thiago Alcantara do in the football pitch in the last week. Um, Like, he's an absolute difference maker. Um. That pass, it's almost like a reverse pass. It's not quite an O-look pass. But you know where it looks like he's going to play like a square ball and he just punches it through like two lines into somebody's feet. Um, the difference that he has made, and you saw it, I think, in all its glory in the last two games, just the pace that we move the ball about and the ability to break those lines with those passes and just disrupt the team's shape totally to give the forward players that space is something that I don't think I've really ever seen before. Sorry, I had to cough there. Uh, yeah, he, he, last two games, he's, he's just been a joy to watch. I feel like if I if you told me right now, you'll be confined to lockdown for the rest of your life and you'll just be watching highlights of that guy for the rest of your life. I honestly would say... Yeah, there could be worse things I could be doing because, like, last night was just an exhibition in, in football for him. Funny enough, like, I didn't actually notice during the game quite how good he was in Saturday because it was there and kind of we're all having a big party first half. And then they get into a little bit more second half. But last night, I mean, I was, as I was telling you beforehand, I was front row of the main stand and you're almost like, um, eye level with the feet of the players there because it's kind of dug down from where pitch level is. Pitch level is kind of like at, at eye level for you. Um, and initially I thought, oh no, I'm not going get to a, get a great view here. I'm not going to be able to see what's happening, whatever. Um, and my pers- perspective was buggered because you know the, uh, the ball through for Salah, which creates the first goal for Diaz. I didn't celebrate the goal because he's miles offside. I thought he was miles offside. And I look back at it this morning and Salah's about 15 yards behind Maguire when he starts running. So I thought then, like, I'm hardly going to get a good um, idea of how this game's going tactically. But what it did give me was just watching Thiago up close, as close as I've ever seen him at his level. And it's it's crazy. He's, he's started doing this mad outside of the pa- outside of the boot pass where it just completely oh, opens played, up play. He even played one across to the centre half. He played one across to Van Dijk or something just to the outside of the boot, just for right. the crack. He's just started doing it. it. It literally is. That's perfectly put. That's exactly what he's doing. He's just doing it for the crack. There's no need he's for it whatsoever. He's literally taking the piss. He's literally he, taking the piss. He could have just as easily passed that with the inside of his boot like any normal human. But no, he has to do that. And there was one on Saturday he did, to be fair. Um, I, I think it was Diaz. It might even it might even have been for the, the third goal. Um, but <laughs> I, I don't even like think it is. I think there's another it. one. Yeah. Yes, yeah. On the chest. And on the half volley with the outside of his foot, just whops it all the way out to the right hand side to Salah, right on his toe. And I, t- I tell you what, I'm glad that they brought that Hannibal fella on after they brought Tiago off, because fucking El Tiago was getting halved there if that fellow was anyone near him. Um, because he was, as you say, he was just, it was borderline. You know, it's something that you wouldn't do the things, you wouldn't attempt the things he was doing on the Sunday league pitch because you would fear for getting your leg broken. That's 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 how I saw him play yesterday, and it was just amazing. And, and I'm sure Jay will agree 
because Jay was in the ground last night as well as me. But I, Jay, can you remember anyone getting that brilliant innovation going off? Like it was, it was directly everyone up applause. You look around, everyone's in sync. Like I've never seen an innovation quite like that. I don't think it was almost as if like a player had been playing for you for 15 years and he had his last home game. And I was just going to say it was Gerard's last game. Yeah. That, that was the ovation he got. I, was, I, I in fact, just referenced to what you were saying. I thought of a good comparison. It's like when Ronnie O'Sullivan plays snooker left-handed because it's just, it's just that good. He can go, oh, I'll just play you with me left-hand and still beat you. Like, he's, he's that that good at what he does. He's just taking the piss, going, go on, I'll give you the goal, but I'm playing with me left-hand. Um, or like, you know, a golfer playing with his weaker hand and playing with the wrong, wrong set of clubs. Because he's just got every club in the bag anyway, he can do whatever he wants. But yeah, that that ovation, it was like it was Gerard esque when he came off, like when Gerard's final game. Or like I was there for many years ago when Sammy appeared at his last game, um, and Carragher's last game. I've been fortunate enough to be at these games. Um, like it, it's that type of ovation, and this is a lad doing it mid-season. Um, he's just he's on another level, like. We've seen technical players play for us, but I don't think I've ever seen anyone manipulate the ball like he can. He, he is he a different class. No complaint. Yeah, you almost, you almost don't need to be too, just like final point, you almost don't need to be two-footed with him because he's as good with the outside of his right foot as he is with the inside of his right foot. So it's like two-footedness with one foot, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, yeah he, totally. He's, he's, um, he's freakishly good. Um, the, the thing, Chase, that the ignorant too and it's a funny contrast um about you know how he's taking the piss and just looks like he's out there to enjoy himself but the two things are seeing his face and you even see in the post-match interview when Salah's trying to have like a laugh and a joke and he's just completely focused he's still focused on what's going on and he is a born winner and that mentality you know you can see it on the pitch without the ball I did not expect him to be as absolutely relentlessly combative as he is in the middle of the park. Like, he wins the ball back as much as anybody, if not more than anybody in the pitch, with these weird little kind of scissors. It's like almost a scissors scissor tackle, but it's not quite. And these weird little blocks that he does. And he is, at, like, at one point, I think he's climbing on Aaron Wambasaka's back to try and get the ball down in the corner. And he is an absolute, he must be a nightmare to play against when you've got the ball, never mind when he has it. Yeah, he's absolutely driven. Um, and yeah, the interview is a good reference because he, was, um, he, he wasn't having any of Salah's fucking about, was he? <laughs> he was like, Salah's going, we're wingers, not strikers. He's going, ah, and he's like, fuck off, Mo, off. you're a striker. All of Salah's jokes fell flat on their arse, didn't they? Honestly, yeah, no, totally. honestly. He, he has no was, time for this jovial jesting about. Well, he was like, fuck up, we're sick. Fucking fun, Mo. Yeah, this is fuck fucking up. serious shit we're into at the minute. <laughs> Stop having a good time. Yeah, but uh, it was good to see the, the, the juxtaposition there as well, because Mo was not being dissuaded de, de, de or swayed from, from that stance. He had a big beaming grin on the whole way through the, through the interview. So... Um, yeah, good to see the pair of them, and both on, on absolutely top form. Thiago's different class. I mean, I was absolutely over the moon when we first got the whispers that that, that deal was was in the bag. And, um, you know, he had a, a toughish first season, but what a first season to come into, I think, uh, with the COVID and all that. And I think this season he's just... He's just showing his absolute class and, and his worth. And, you know, as you said at the top of the segment, he is a game changer. Um, and he, he literally changes games. Um, his passing range is sublime. Um, and as you say, off the ball, he's, you know, those, that, that midfield, uh, last night it had Henderson in it, but the one from, from Saturday, which had, uh, Kaida in it, that was was absolutely a midfield of dreams. Um it it just choked the life out of, you know, one of the best best sides in, in the world. 
So, um, <clears throat> yeah, he's got it on and off the ball. Is a rare pass and is outrageous. Is is he he can he he has it. You know, to use the the Oakley say he has it on a on a string. But it's like, do you ever see someone who's really really? I mean, this is one for the kids, but who's really really good with with a yo yo and can just fucking make it do whatever the fuck they 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 want. I mean, he can do that with the football, and you know, Andy said that the outside of his foot is is as cultured as the inside, and I'm sure he can use every toe to to pick a different a different way to pass. Um, he's just sublime. Um, but more than that, and more than the showboating, it's all with a purpose, and the purpose is to break lines and to get Liverpool up the pitching in in the scoring situations, and he's been integral, and he is integral in in so so much of what uh, what ends up in the back of the net. Uh, it's usually the pass before the pass before the pass, or maybe one further on. But um, you know, he gets the assist for for Mane's second in the in the in the semi, and what an assist it is. And last night against United was was another masterclass. So we've got him and we're keeping him fit. And that's another thing. We're man. We've, we've got a fully fit squad, pretty much. Touch wood at this stage of the season, and that's that cannot be underestimated in this push for for the, for these four titles. Um, now that now the three that are left, um, it it just it, it makes things so much seem so much more achievable. And you know what what Liverpool have done in terms of managing players, rotation, sports science, getting players back fit and keeping them fit is for longer is is sensational as well. So, um, what more can I say, really? Thiago's awesome, and we need to keep him fit for the rest of the season, but it looks like we will, and we're doing well with, with all of that. So, let's let's keep going. Yeah, um, the key, as we keep calling him, and he kind of is. And, Jay, you know, just a move to the FA Cup. Um, City have won tonight. It, it's, it's, you know, they're, they're back a point point in the league with, with six games left so you know we can sit and we can do what we can hold up our end of the bargain and I hope that things go our way for a change when it comes to these sorts of you know run-ins with them um, it's another cup final it's another cup final against Chelsea and and we kind of go old school Liverpool on the first half we like Kaita's absolutely key to it um, he, Titus, I, I'm gonna be honest with you, Jay. I don't think with the ball he was he was great. I thought his passing was loose. I thought that he could have been neater and he could have been tidier. But he's like he's like a he's like a stealth bomber. He's like a ninja. He just seems to creep <laughs> up on people without them even knowing that he's there. And I'm like I'm watching it in the TV and I'm like, how can you not see that? He's just about to take the ball off you. But he just is so clever in how he nicks in, pinches the ball, presses on the blind side. And that was 18-18-19 Liverpool first half v City. That's 3-0 in the league, 3-0 in the Champions League. League. You know, that was what it was like. And right down to Mane pressing the goalkeeper to slide the ball into the net. And it looks like Klopp has finally just went, you know what? Do you remember we used to batter these and and then we became like this better side, more possession based. And we found it kind of tough since then. So let's just go back and see if that works. And it did. Yeah, we had to do something different. And, you know, I think it was, well, it was nerves that got the best of us in the league game. He, like Virgil and Allison, Fabinho, they all looked nervous. I think another factor that would, was probably played into our favour was the atmosphere. Like, the atmosphere on Saturday was absolutely bouncing. Like it was a home game. I know they didn't bring many anyway, but it was a home game. Um, the only disappointment was all the goals at the other end of the pitch. Um, from where I was sat anyway, yeah, the back of the lower tier. They, they did bring a massive. They did bring a massive flag though. Oh yeah, didn't two didn't they? Didn't yeah, they have one on each side? <laughs> the both the both patches of empty seats. Oh man, you know bigger ball patches than Pep said. Um, <laughs> but I. Yeah, I was on the lower tier, the back row. Like, great few, but, you know, not for the goals because they were as far away as they could possibly be unless you were sat in the upper gods. Um, but, yeah, it was just, you know, balls to the wall, cup game. You, you've just got to go for it. You've got to put your cards on the table and you've just got to do what you can do. And 
I think I've been one of the advocates for this midfield for a long time and you know fitness dependent and whatever and what for um, because you just knew on its day that's what it can do it can cause chaos you've got everything in there and not to sound like him digging Henderson out but he hasn't got the legs that Kate has got to press like this anymore like Henderson's head and his feet do two different things like he, he wants to do things but his legs and his feet just can't get him there quick enough anymore and Case has just got that little bit of age on him he might not have the physicality to last all season doing it because you know his injury record says otherwise but I just thought that's what you needed on Sunday. You needed the chaos. Uh, Saturday, sorry. You needed the chaos. Um, you needed just to harass them. In that, so you just there quickly on that, Jay, because like, I'm interested to, to chat about this with you because obviously, you know, I'm a massive Henderson fan and we always joke the two of us, like, mm. and you're, you're not as, as big a fan of him. And I, I think, for me, my opinion on that is that if you get that Nabi Keita every week, there's no doubt that that Nabi Keita should start over the oh, yeah. par Jordan Henderson performance, like absolutely no doubt about it for me. But there was something I was thinking about today. Um, you know when the the way Opta do those win percentage um things, you see it when Amazon Prime have got the games like the win percentages, and they calculated that basically for that City game against uh, uh sorry the City Liverpool game in the league, if City won it, Liverpool would have a one in eight chance of winning the league. If it was a draw, Liverpool would have a one in three chance of winning the league. And if Liverpool won it, would it have a two and three chance of winning the league? Almost the way I see it with Henderson and Keita, and I think this is why he's picked Henderson a little bit more. It's almost like if we play a Champions League final against City with Henderson in the team, I feel like we have a one and two chance of winning. If we pick Naby and he, and it's the Naby that we see on Saturday there, we've probably got a, a three quarters chance of winning. But if we get the Naby we saw, you know, at Real Madrid last season, with no chance of winning, you know what I mean? So if Naby doesn't turn up, it almost has so much of a knock-on effect on the team. Whereas if Henderson has a bad game, he still kind of dolls all the Jordan Henderson things. And it's not as disastrous. So I think it'll be interesting going forward to see who goes I for think it. this season is just he's balanced Thiago and Naby because, you know, the fitness of them both isn't great. And they've had a couple of niggles throughout the season. But I think that's what he he's done in the, in the hole is... Is balance them two out. So if if Naby plays, then Thiago doesn't. So like last night Thiago comes off for Naby. Like and the weekend, you know, you you probably expect Thiago to start, but you wouldn't be surprised if he didn't. It'd be key to do be in his position. Um, and I just don't think we've got a good enough reliable rotation option on the right hand side with Henderson. So like. We've tried Jones, we've tried Elliot. Obviously, he's not really came back from his injury properly. Milner doesn't work. Milner shouldn't be starting games anymore, in my opinion. He's too old. Um, but if you if you are going to try something different, then you try them free. And on the couple of bits of evidence we've got, it works because I just think he's got more energy and legs than Henderson to, to be able to get about more. He might not have the... Re- reliability to do it week in week out and you know there's enough evidence to suggest that but I think if it comes to a one-off game like you said this Champions League final I'd feel much more comfortable if it was Keita, Thiago and Fabinho because there's just a lot more energy in there to do that things that you need I know Henderson wants to but sometimes last night there was occasions where he found himself on the left hand side of midfield with Thiago and Fabinho over there, and there's a huge gap on the right-hand side. Now, I'm not saying Keita doesn't do that, but I think Henderson sometimes finds it within himself. Maybe it's the, the captaincy, whether it's just his nature, that he'll go pressing and chasing, and he carries on and carries on and carries on. And there's, It's what some people want to see, but sometimes it's just it loosens our structure. I don't I don't know. that. That's just how I see it. Maybe I'm just being overcritical of the kid, but... I think sometimes now it's his head and his legs aren't working at the same time as what he, he should be or what he wants them to do anyway. I think with the manager, and I always kind of use the the Darren Fletcher, Park Ji-sung kind of analogy here. And it comes down to trust. It doesn't necessarily come down to what type of player or how good a player. It comes down to trust and how meticulously they will carry out the manager's orders on the pitch and what they're going to bring aside from their technical capability. 
Um, and Ferguson did it time, Ferguson did it time and time again. Benitez did it with Coit, right hand side. Who plays Dirk Coit right wing? You know, but Rafa did because he did everything that he wanted him to do down to an absolute T. So that's where I feel. And, you know, you look at Wijnaldum. Wijnaldum was, was the same sort of player who always played, no matter what anybody said about him, always played because he did everything the manager wanted him to do. So, yeah, we'll see. But, you know, I think, Jay, you, you are right where sooner or later the, the baton's going to have to be passed. From, from Henderson to somebody else and, and that's going to be a physical thing that's going to determine you know how and when that happens um, Andy it was it was real carnival um, um, <laughs> you know pyro going off songs ringing around the stadium um, concourse absolutely bouncing from what I heard I heard it was madness in there and you know you almost expect that from the way this team have played the last few games, that's what we that's what this team needed to be between now and the end of the season. And and if we can harness that and bring it forward, great bosses, intimidate opposition and bring that into the, the big league games at home and and the Champions League, then you know, I don't know. I think the cup competitions are within they're within our gift to go and win. We're still kind of reliant. Um, on a favour being done in the league and you've just got to approach every game as it's so cliche but both players and fans need to approach every game like it is a cup final now Yeah that that day and everything about it the concourse the first half it's the most joy I've ever had a fo- in a football match in my life it's not the the biggest result as an FA Cup semi-final it's probably the well it is undoubtedly the least important of the three competition, competitions we're still in I was there in the League Cup final it was the first time I'd watched Liverpool lift a trophy live and it did it, it paled in comparison to to Saturday there I mean Jay was I think Jay said he was back row of the lower tier I was um, second row from the back and I was wondering, like when I first heard it was lower tier, I was like, oh, happy days, I'm going to be right in the thick of it. And then when I saw I was at the back, I thought everything's going to be going on around me. But it didn't matter. It was just, it was absolute chaos. And, you know, they come out and you see the team sheet that, that City put out and you get a little bit of hope from it. But also kind of it doesn't really matter from the the 16 players they, they can pick from. There's not really much of a difference. And. By the way, for people, including Pep, who tried to put it down to the fact that a cup team was a, a cup team in inverted commas was put out. I mean, one of the players who came in, Jack Grealish, is is worth more. They spent more on him than Liverpool has spent, I think, since the summer of 2020. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's and the the value of their eleven was still much greater than the value of ours. So this kind of idea that there are any sort of underdogs in that game is is complete nonsense and. And Liverpool took them apart in that first half. And I thought Naby Keita had his best game in Liverpool shirt. I thought Mane was unbelievable. Um, as I said earlier, I felt, I, I, you know, Thiago was unreal as well. And I agree. I think it was Jay who you asked about the Kanate Mathep thing. And I pretty much agree with everything he said. It's horses for courses. And for certainly against Man City again, um, I think I'd rather have Kanate in the team. But for, for example, Everton this weekend, where I can't see them having many far eyes forward, I think. Maybe Kanate probably does have a wreck in him slightly more than Matip, so I'd rather have Matip in for that one. And same for last night. Again, United aren't going to come forward much. We're going to have most of the ball. I'd rather have the the kind of maybe slightly more defensive, solid, defensively solid Matip at this stage of his career. I'm sure Kanate will will um, iron out those little creases in his game, and will and have no doubt he'll actually go on to become a better centre half than Matip in his prime. But um, yeah. Um, your your question about the, about the game it was it was phenomenal and you know we go to an up inside twenty minutes and the clips going around Twitter were I think the basically whole the whole ends singing a lay a lay a lay and Martin Keogh makes some d- disparaging comment about oh they think it's one already but the cool commentator is just like absolute bell bedlam on that side of Wembley and it was one of the best atmospheres well it was the best atmosphere I've ever been in. Jay's been to a lot more Liverpool games than me. You guys probably have still been a lot, to a lot more Liverpool games than me, even though I've been going this year. But yeah, people say the Wembley semi-finals, and I agree with them. It's you know Wembley should be the thing that when you get to the the final, you get to go to Wembley. And a lot of people talk about the the atmosphere at Wembley not being as good because everyone's kind of all over the place. And 
at Anfield, the, the cop leads things off and everyone else follows and it kind of starts in 306, filters down to the rest of the cop and then the rest of the ground joins in. Whereas at Wembley, everyone's everywhere. And, you know, I went down with four mates on Saturday there and we were all just in different parts of the ground. That's the way the, the whole balloting system works. Um, but everyone was just in sync and obviously the Jurgen chants going off and similar to LA, LA, LA in 2018 where it kind of takes off towards the second half of the season and that's just the sound bite for the season. I think that actually really helps the players because you, know, you can get tired of chants very quickly. Like the Jota one comes in and you're almost, it gets to the point where the cops singing it 10 times a game and it loses its effect slightly. Whereas this one's kind of just taken off and as we're going for all these four trophies, it's um it, it's it's just become the kind of soundtrack for it and uh, it was incredible and that halftime concourse I mean Manny scores at the perfect time for a party at halftime I think it's the only comparison I can think of it is Salah getting that fourth before halftime at Old Trafford and obviously none of us were there that day but um yeah the concourse was just ridiculous I didn't even get a, I didn't even get a drink I just sort of went out and and bounced around for 15 minutes and uh, oh my goodness it's, uh, the goal itself was was just the icing on the cake, wasn't it? It's a phenomenal, phenomenal goal. Um, and it's indicative of the, the new Manny we're seeing. So it was it was just so good. And we're never really threatened, even at 3-2. I didn't really get that nervous. I always knew we were going to win that. Um, and 3-2 flattered them. Yeah, 3-2 they flattered them. Chief, back to the game. It's Barth Everton. And be honest. Let's all sit here and be honest. We expect to fucking batter them the same way we battered United, yeah. Um, yeah, completely. Because they are just as shite. Um, and their away form, their away form might be the worst in the league. In actual fact, but there is this thing that club has against Everton at home, where there's mental. Selections, and I just wonder. I thought he would have made more changes against United. And I know it's Tuesday to Sunday, so I don't know. Do you expect something similar, or do you expect like Ricky's <laughs> last hurrah or something bad like that? No, I, I expect a, a, a strong side. There might be a a little bit of rotation. I think you've got to think about Villarreal the Wednesday, the Wednesday, isn't it? Yes, the Wednesday. Sunday, Wednesday. Um, but they're both home games, and I think that's why he's so, uh, you know, he's already sort of made noises about the Newcastle game, uh, and I think that's where we'll we'll see rotation if if we do see it. Uh, but I think it's pretty tight now. You know, you're you're looking at, you know, you're looking at the the, the eleven that started. Against um, United last night, and then you're you're you you'd add Naby Keita to that, you'd add Jota Firmino to that. Um, at the back, you might add a, a, a Joe Gomez and a Simicast to that, um, and that's probably your you know yeah I think I mentioned Caddy yeah yeah him there obviously, and I think that's that's the squad you're playing with. For the rest of the season, I can't see too many changes beyond that. Um, every game now is massive. We we've had one cup final. We're literally in another, and we're gunning to get into to the Champions League final as well. So that'll be a, a you know another. And um, we've just got to win every league game, as we know. And what is that then? Maybe. 17 players, 16, 17 players you're picking from. Um, and I think that's it for the rest of the season. So there may be one or two changes. You know, Kanate's one as well. He will, will come in and out. Um, there'll be a bit of change there uh, over the course of the season. But but that's it, basically. I, I can't see... Can't see Curtis Jones really getting back in, possibly against Newcastle, but but even then I think it's a stretch. Um, I don't see Harvey Elliott starting another game this season, um, and I you know I don't think you you really 
you go beyond that. I can't see Milner starting again this season either, if I'm, if I'm honest. Um, I think we'll see him on the pitch again, but but not from the start. So yeah, I think I think that's what it's whittled down to. It's just heads heads down and and get on with it now. Um, I think those are his strongest players. That is his strongest squad, and I think he's very much he's got enough there. We've got enough there to to yeah to 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 get it done in all the competitions. So um. I don't think we're going to see a repeat of the sort of Lalana, Origi, Shakiri lineup, uh, the five-two, uh, or anything like that. I think it'll be it'll be much more close-knit, tight-knit for the rest of the season. And I think um, the squad against United, or the, the the lineup against United, is an indication of that because you know, let's let's be fair. I haven't have had a shocker of a season, but I still beat United, <laughs> so. If there was one of the rest players for, you know, quite could just as easily have been have been last night's game, and there was no sign of that, particularly just coming off the back of the semi-finals as a couple of days earlier. So, um, so yeah, I think that's the marker that's been laid down, and I think that's those those are the the lads that will be entrusted with with bringing home the the big cups. Yeah, it, it kind of looks that way, Jay. This is I'm trying to think. Was the game at Goodison? What was it? An early kickoff when we played Everton. Yeah. No, it was a night game because uh, it's a midweek. You're thinking of the two-two last season. Yeah, game, just, no. Do you know what I'm thinking? I'm just thinking that particularly at Anfield, these games have kind of notoriously been the early kickoff on a Saturday. Or maybe the two o'clock on a Sunday. They're never really the game where you're kind of <laughs> facilitating fans from getting a skin full of drink into them all the way into the ground. Basically. Are you planning your weekend, Dave? Is that what you're saying? Well, and, well, I've already planned my weekend. You know, I'm not going to be wrong. I couldn't, I couldn't have been happier than the half. Listen, the, half, the, only, the only better, the only, the only kickoff time better than a half four on a Sunday is a half five on a Saturday. Um, but this this again lends it it lends itself to us, doesn't it? Having having it's not a three pm, which isn't great. It's certainly not a half twelve, which nobody's awake yet. It's a Sunday. The way things have gone the last couple of weeks, obviously the back of a couple of results, cup finals, smashing United, and this is just going to make things infinitely harder for Everton, isn't it? No matter what team we select. Yeah, it's. <laughs> Um, Alex Lampard after his whole oh Frank Schurter to Klopp isn't he yeah you know all this kind of carry on their little tails are going to be up because you know they've snuck a 93rd minute equaliser against Brenda's boys tonight and you know the little false hope that dream that lives on that you you know we, we'd love to see Burnley get a result tomorrow and just put the squeeze back on them but as you said before like we, we hit this off like the there's nothing other than a Liverpool win for this. I don't care what they bring, what they try and do. Um, I think Johnny's just put in a WhatsApp group before that. City play Watford on Saturday before we play Everton, so you know the gap will be four points because Roy Hodgson's not going to do nothing there at the SEAD. He's just going to tear up and wobble his chins about and walk away with a 4-0 spanking. Um, so, you know, the emphasis is on us then to go out and, and put a marker down and we're, we're going to we're going to put them so far in their own place because they are awful. Like, I didn't know United were that bad because I've not really watched much United. But you keep an eye, well, I certainly keep an eye on board of Everton because of obviously the nature of where I am, the people around me, friends and whatever. Um, so they are they're terrible. They're really, really bad. Um, I can't wait for it. And as you say, the, the half four just ties into the atmosphere. The atmosphere last night says, Andy was saying about uh, the FA Cup semi-final. Last night's atmosphere was one of the best it's been in Anfield all season. I can't think of many better. Maybe the Leicester Cup game, but that was sort of a, a spontaneous atmosphere, just given how the game panned out. A bit more of a back and forth. But last night, from before the game, like five, ten minutes before the game, the whole ground was pretty much full. It was raucous. It was ready to go. Um, I think there was a lull of about five or ten minutes in the second half where we... We went a little bit quiet, but then 
we got ourselves back together again and you know it, it, it was the best we've had and I think that played on from the weekend um, and it'll roll on into into Sunday um, I know Salah was saying it to Thiago it will like he, he's not experienced a derby at Anfield because last season it was not a real season um, and, and he, he is in for the treats because it's going to be a treat it's going to be a delight you're over there for the weekend like if you're in any state to see the game, I'll be impressed. But um, the half one might not be a favour to you. It, it just we live in hope. Yeah, we live in hope. As as do Evertonians. Um, I just can't see anything other than a spanking. Like I'll be disappointed if we don't roll out of there with four, five on the board. More chance of me going to the game sober than there is Everton getting a result. So, um, <laughs> Andy, just to finish this off. Um, there's a weird scenario here. Season with one trophy, the least valuable of the four, if you want. And there is, I think, it's, I suppose what I'm trying to say is, I think it's a good time to sit and take stock here. Six games left. We're in the FA Cup final and, and we're in the Champions League semi final. Against the side that, you know, relatively we should qualify from. That would give us a Champions League final as well. But there's the same possibility we, we just come away with one trophy. And I, I'm anxious about that more so than anything else that get the recognition that it deserved because maybe a slice of luck hasn't gone their way. But we can't surely we can't write this off as an unsuccessful season um, if we finish with one trophy or can we? No, I don't think so. There's going to be the nonsense on Twitter, isn't it? The the word bottle jobs and bottlers is thrown about far too liberally these days. It's like thrown about as in you were slightly less outstanding than the other team, so therefore you're a bottler. And I think a lot of it's to do with this country's incapacity to analyse because they have to put everything down to mentality and fight and desire and heart because they don't have the intelligence to uh, actually tactically analyse anything and understand the game and understand coaching. And we'll get all that nonsense if we if we lose all three. And don't get me wrong, we'll be hugely disappointed, hugely disappointing to lose all three. But no, I don't think you can say at this point of a season, having got closer to a quadruple than any team in the history of football has ever done, um, that it could be unsuccessful if we, you know, we, we could have a bad day against Chelsea or it could sort of go the same way as the League Cup final and they win on penalties and we could win eight of our last nine remaining games apart from that and lose the Champions League final to City and end up with one trophy. You know, you can't measure success or the quality of a team like that at all. And by the way, I think we actually are going to win. I think we're going to win the FA Cup. I think we're going to win all six of our remaining games. And I think we're going to beat Villarreal twice and be in the Champions League final. So this is, so this is the scenario. We could go the rest of the season unbeaten and not win anything else. Yeah, apart from the, the Champions League final, obviously. Yeah, we could, we could literally... But we, but we, well, we could draw that and lose in penalties. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Um, I, I would say now, you know, we beat a Chelsea that was in form and, okay, they're probably out of the title race by that point, but it was a, a better Chelsea than what we've seen in the last few weeks. I think you were saying beforehand, apart from the 6-0 win against Southampton, um, they've been pretty brutal recently. They lose 4-2 tonight to, to Arsenal. They get thumped by Brentford. They lose another game. I can't remember exactly what it was. They're not exactly convincing in a semi-final against Crystal Palace. Madrid stick five into over two legs, don't they? Yeah. You know, not the best Madrid side we've we've ever seen either. Um, so I think you're looking at that, and obviously everything that's going on, and obviously that's affecting the players. And Jay was mentioning earlier, I don't know if he did it on the pod or not, but Aspilicueta is going over to the fans tonight and had a bit of a ding dong with them. You know, all that must be affecting them. They don't get fans on the ground tonight because it's only the season ticket holders, and albeit that won't be an issue uh, for a, a Wembley Cup final, these things are bound to grate you down. And you know, it wasn't that long ago we were saying if you finish above Chelsea, you win the league. And now they're, what, 15 points behind us? Or maybe 15 points behind City, 14 points behind us? You know, they really have fallen off a cliff. And they were falling off a cliff already for the League Cup final. And I think that broke them. Um, but simultaneously, they give us problems every time they play us. 
So that, you know, it, it could ultimately go either way. But I do think we're going to win that. And I do think at this point, I can't see any of the teams we're playing. Spurs is one you worry about, isn't it? But I think quarter to eight on a, on a Saturday night at Anfield, the form we're in, there's only one winner there again. Um, albeit they could hurt us with our, our high line. And I think you probably go Kanata in that game for that reason, don't you? Um, so, yeah, I, 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 th- I think we're going to win all six games. But simultaneously, it wouldn't shock me if City win all six games and win the league bad point and go on the kind of run they did in uh eighteen nineteen, I think get my seasons mixed up where we get eight ninety seven, they get ninety eight. And then that final, and I am pretty sure it's gonna be a Liverpool City final. It, it can just go either way. You know, we make a few changes um to the, the team that we the place that the Eddie had. And we bring in a few players. Obviously it works, but not that it's an excuse for City, but they made a few changes. That's not the team we're going to see in a Champions League final. So there's going to be a lot of cat and mouse between the two managers. There's going to be a lot of build up to it. Um, and I'd love, I'd love Real Madrid to to beat them over the two legs, but I just, I just can't see it at this point. So yeah, I think, I think, I think definitely two. I've always said one of the big ones. I've always said one of the big ones. Um, I've been saying that for. I, th- I think since we won the League Cup final, just all this talk about the triple, one of the big ones will will do me as bare minimum. Um, and it's, City are probably favourite favourites for both the big ones, so you know we're all this chap, but um, we'll, we'll we'll wait and see. We're going to need them to, to hopefully drop some points soon. Okay. All right. Well, here we are. We're still here. We're still here. We're still hanging in there. Thanks for joining me, lads. And until next time, up the still hanging in for all four reds. <laughs>